The scripture reading today comes from Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. It is page 946 on your Blue Pew Bible. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 15, page 946 in the Blue Pew Bible. Please stand in the honor of this reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is, um, this is the word of the Lord. Everyone, uh, please be seated. I have the pleasure and honor of introducing our guest speaker for this morning. Uh, Pastor Steve Liu is from California, uh, specifically the Los Angeles area. Uh, he is married to his wife, Christine, uh, with four children, and he is the pastor of Hope Church here in Houston. Thank you so much, Dan, for that uh, gracious introduction. It is a joy uh, to be with you this, mor this morning. Um, and I uh, just want to bring you greetings from Hope Church, and it's just a really a pleasure and honor that I can uh, preach and be a part of a team of, of, of teaching pastors and uh, we can work together uh, for the gospel and advance the kingdom together. And uh, I just want to uh, thank you so much for the deep, deep privilege that I can share with you this morning and preach uh, God's word. And I've just been so refreshed by Jason and our friendship. And he's one of the first people that I, that I met. And I met at probably his favorite place, Star Snow, uh, Star Snow Ice Teriyaki. And uh, we just clicked, and we've just been such good friends ever since. And he's refreshed me uh, so amazingly, so profoundly. And I just, I just, I'm so thankful for your leaders, so thankful for Jason um, and just his faithfulness to the gospel and his love for the church and his love for you all. And um, I'm just praying that uh, God would refresh 
um, all of the folks that are at the English retreat and also uh, would really refresh us because it's my sense that, you know, some of us are weary and we need uh, encouragement and we need uh, to really receive that joy of the Lord. And so uh, um, let's go and pray and let's dive into God's word this morning. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. And Lord, we look up to you, the hills. Where does our help come from? It comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. And you, God, who has made the heavens and earth, will not even allow even our feet to be moved. And Father, you are that gracious God. You are a God who refreshes us and who keeps us and who upholds us. And I pray, oh God, that you would just refresh your people here this morning, whether we are coming weary and tired or whether we're just coming here joyful and happy in whatever stage or whatever season that we are in. I pray, Father, that, Lord, times of refreshing will be with us and that you would fill us, God, with your spirit. And also, Father, we just, I thank you, Lord, for uh, HCC, for Houston Chinese Church. Thank you, God, that you ultimately are the faithful God who has uh, started this church over 30 years ago. And Father, thank you that they have just remained faithful, and um, especially in the call of missions and, and um, just loving the gospel. And I thank you that, Lord, you're just so pleased with them. At the same time, I, I know that, Lord, you have so much more. It's not so much more for them. And I pray that, the Father, that you would release them and just empower them to be on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that all nations may hear and all peoples might sing that Jesus is their greatest treasure. Thank you, Father. We love you and praise this, pray, pray, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Dan uh, mentioned, that I, I'm uh, from L.A., <coughs> and uh, I uh, was born in L.A., um, so I'm just so happy this morning because the Dodgers are going to the World Series. And uh, for all of you who are Astros fans, I am really sorry, but we can unite in the fact of wanting to beat the Red Sox. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Looks like we don't have too many baseball fans here, and you guys are all still sad about the Astros. Uh, but wherever you are, maybe you guys are just ready to go into basketball season. <laughs> um, um, but I, I'm married to my wife, Christine, and I have four beautiful children. I uh, just found out that um, my, uh, my youngest, Ian, he was born on the same day as Jonathan uh, Huang on uh, the 30th of August. And so what a joy it's been for us. But with the joy of having a lot of children, <laughs> there's a lot of pain. <laughs> Go back to home groups on August 29th, 2018. The pregnancy had been so rough on Christine. At that point, we are just totally, totally ready to have the baby come out. We were just like, it was our fourth child, and, and God willing, it was probably, it's probably going to be our last. And that night, we were at home group, and we were just saying goodbye, and we, we asked um, how they can pray for us. And I said to them, Please, please pray that the baby would come out tomorrow. <laughs> well, it was funny because literally that next morning, Christine's doctor said, uh, baby is ready to come out, and so I'm just sending you straight to the hospital. Uh, and I'm just like, these guys must have been praying. <laughs> and, uh, sir, and sure enough, um, you know, when I checked with them, they were actually praying. And, and so I go to the hospital, and, um, and, um, 
and we're there, we're just getting settled, and we're getting comfortable. And we're being treated by this nurse who was just so awesome. I mean, I can tell that God just really wanted me to press in to the gospel with her, but I'm, I'm just torn. You know, do I, do I start witnessing to this nurse and focus on taking uh, care of my wife to get the baby out? You know, or do I, you know, do I take care of that? And so I was just torn, and it turned out that she was actually a believer in Christ alone, but that just led to a, a, cost, a conversation about the mission of the gospel and how her mission every day for work is to share Jesus in some way. But we got so excited at one point that my poor wife was grimacing on the side because of a contraction, and then the nurse was like, oh, sorry, sweetie, are we talking too much? And, um, but man, I was so relieved because I knew she trusted in Jesus and I could just focus on getting that baby out. And at that point, other than the gospel, nothing else mattered than just hitting that last lap. And when Ian finally popped out at 5.15 p.m., it's just hard to describe the elation, the joy of being delivered from that miserable, gut-wrenching nine months of our life. Well, when was the last time you desired something so bad that nothing else mattered? And when was the last time you yearned that someone knew the gospel, that you were just aching, you were conflicted for them? But just like the urgency of giving birth to a baby, we should be profoundly urgent when it comes to the gospel. This is something the Apostle Paul modeled so well. Now, before you think that the Apostle Paul was some nerdy, heady, ivory tower theologian who only ate up commentaries for breakfast and never played sports, it's tempting to read Romans 9 about some heavy theology of God's divine election and, and tune out evangelism. And we, we say, well, if God chooses, then what do I need to share? But Paul deeply cares for his own people's salvation. And out of his caring heart, we are just compelled to press in and listen. And Romans 10 is a look into the most intimate desires of the most passionate Christian who ever lived outside of Jesus. So what do we see about living on mission from Paul's heart? How does everything start from the heart and flow out? We'll see in three ways. If you would just turn with me in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, Paul says this. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness is that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. What do, we see, what do we see here about Paul's heart? How does everything flow out of the heart and just flow out into his life? The first thing is that we see this, that Paul desires his own people to be saved. And if you were to cut open my heart about nine years ago, my heart was very different. Yes, I wanted to see people saved and come to the gospel right. But if I was honest with myself, people were just projects. And so God convicted me as I was intervening to be a church planner for the North American Mission Board in, uh, in Georgia. One of the speakers spoke in powerfully from Nehemiah chapter 1, and he made the point that when Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem was broken down and that the city had lain in ruins, that he sat down and he wept and he mourned for days. And he made this point. 
If you are not daily dropping on your knees and broken over the community, and you're trying to plant a church, you need to find yourself another job. And that broke me for my community. That broke me for the gospel. It broke me of the sin in my own heart of treating people like projects. And as we began to start a church plant from literally me, my wife, and um, five people, including God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, um, it, 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 was just, it was just such a slow crawl. And, but thankfully, we had a parachute project in which we had college students from different ethnic backgrounds who were helping us to do outreach. And I realized that as we, as we continued to press in, we saw people come in that were not just um, of one race, but coming out from being Filipino and African-American and, 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 and Hispanic. And people were coming to the Lord. It broke me for the community. And it showed me that, you know, the church needs to reflect uh, the community. One of the people that God broke for my heart is a guy named Kevin. He was an ethnic uh, Kenyan. And he invited me to his home one day, and, and his mother's brother uh, had passed away. And so I thought that they were just inviting me to go and grieve with the family. Well, when I show up, it was a full-blown memorial service. There were about 40 Kenyans and me. <laughs> um, and I thought I was just there to grieve, and I, I realized that they were just doing a whole service. They were doing uh, preaching. They were doing fundraising to get their mom a, a plane ticket so that they can get over to Kenya to perform the memorial service for her brother. And man, they had an ethnic pastor speaking in, and, and they invited me to come. Hey, can you come and speak a message? And I'm like, this is a bad time to try to be a black preacher. Um, but, you know, as I spoke in, I was, I was so nervous. I just spoke in just words of hope and encouragement, and Later, I asked them, man, how did you trust me to come and speak into your life at this moment? I'm not part of your culture. Um, I don't know much about your culture. How did you let me just come and speak in? And I'll never, never forget this. They said, when we look at you, we don't look at your skin color. We see you as God's child, made in the image of God. And you're just, you're, you're our family in Christ. And people, and God just reminded me, people are just so precious. They're so precious to God because we were created to give him glory. And if we're not doing our Christian lives on our knees, brokenhearted over our people, over the people that we pass over, the people that we pass day after day in the med center, in our workplaces, in our schools. We have no business being here in the community. And that's why Paul's heart is so amazing. More than that, he wished that not only his own people would be saved, but it was so intense that it caused them severe agony and discomfort. Turn with me in Romans chapter 9, 1 through 3. Paul not only desires their salvation, he give up everything if they be saved. I'm speaking the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You know, it's one thing to deeply desire somebody's salvation, but it's another thing to say that I wish I was in hell and cut off from my brothers for the sake that they would receive Christ and be in the glories of his freedom 
forever. Or I wish I was cut off for the sake of my medical center community. Or I wish I was cut off for the city of Houston. Or I wish I was in hell for the sake of the people group that God has put on my heart to pray for. Does your heart break for people like that? Does your heart break for people to trust and follow King Jesus that you, it would just give you severe anguish and give you discomfort because you can't even sleep at night because your neighbors are lost? Because the people groups halfway across the world are lost. Is your prayer life so dominated by your own concerns and your own circumstances that you never get around to praying for lost people? And it's not that these people suffered for a lack of genuine zeal. Paul said that they had a genuine zeal, but their zeal was rooted in a bad theology. Turn back to Romans 10, and it says, Paul says that they were ignorant of the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Rather, the law pointed to the fact that they couldn't keep it. It served as a tutor to show them their need for Christ. But they thought their performance could win God's approval. They thought zealous law-keeping could lift themselves up to God. And this error infiltrates every religion except for Christianity. They deal with sin and evil in their own different way, but they all start with this faulty premise that people are innately good. Every religious system says in some way that salvation, enlightenment, and fulfillment, heaven, is achievable through obeying a certain law. But then Christianity comes at us and says, not only do we fail to obey God's law perfectly, but we cannot obey his law perfectly. And see, Paul says it so clearly that the only one who lived in perfect obedience to God's law was Jesus. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And if you really want to have a heart that desires for people's salvations, you have to be utterly convinced that Christ is the only way for salvation. Men can be genuinely zealous, but they can be zealously lost. We'd all try to measure up the law's demands, and we've been found completely lacking. Only Jesus Christ alone has the perfect righteousness that we need, and the only way is through trusting in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. And this is what Paul turns to next in our text. Read with me in verses 5 through 13. Let's read together out loud. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we see how Paul, uh, his heart, it flowed out in three ways. First, we saw that Paul desired his own people to be saved, even wanting to step in their place if they would be saved. And then secondly, Paul desired to preach a simple gospel. 
there are a lot of zealous people who tend to overcomplicate the gospel, and I, I think I'm, sometimes I'm one of them. And But Paul desired to preach this simple gospel. And look with me in your text. First, Paul contrasts the righteousness based by law and asks the question, how can I achieve righteousness by keeping the law? Now, this text may, at first glance, be a little hard to understand, but there was a tradition of the Pharisees that if any single Pharisee kept all the law, Jewish laws perfectly for one day, one day, then that one man's righteousness would be so pure that it would, it, it would make God send the Messiah on the spot. The idea was that if the person was good enough, he could have the merit to climb up right up to heaven and bring the Messiah down. Or if the Messiah had gone to hell, it could raise him from the dead. But again, as we talked about, who has that kind of righteousness? I mean, if we really knew ourselves, we would never even last a few minutes without even keeping the laws of God. I mean, how, think about how many traffic laws do you, you, you make just by speeding yesterday to your son's game. Parents, think about the fruit of the Spirit, all the Spirit, uh, and all the fruits you break every day because of your sinful impatience towards your kids. I mean, we broke about five of them just in a row last week because we're, we're going through so much transition, just preparing for a move and adjusting into um, a new church and preparing for uh, and just adjusting to our baby. And so, I mean, young adults, think about the purity laws that you break just by looking at a woman lustfully. Single ladies, think about, or just ladies in general, think about how many times you envied someone's clothes that they had on or secretly wished that you had that person's life. I mean, we don't have that kind of righteousness even for one day, and if even that one minute. And add this to our sinful nature that we've intentionally ignored God, we've rebelled against Him, we've selfishly insisted on our own way. It's what Jared Wilson says. He says, you are worse than you think you are. And as Paul laid out, we don't deserve heaven, we deserve death. But this is where the gospel is simple. We can't climb up to heaven, right? God is the only one who can send us the Savior from, down from heaven. And we can't bring ourselves from hell and from the dead. Only God can bring someone back from the dead. And that's where verse 8 says, the word is near you, the gospel of Christ. The only one that saves us from the demands of the law is simple and powerfully near in your mouth and in your heart. And Paul sums up how to be saved in these next few verses. He says in verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Well, what is the gospel in simplest terms? Well, first, we confess that Jesus is Lord. You're created in perfect design to walk perfectly under his reign and his rule. And that you confess that you're his. Secondly, it's believing in your heart that Jesus died in your place for your sin and on the third day he rose again from the dead. You don't have to look toward a near-death experience, nor do you have to climb a ladder from into heaven or from hell. Jesus already did this for you. You simply need to repent of your sins and trust him as Lord and believe in him that God raised him from the dead for your sins. 
And when Paul says that with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved, he's not saying that's a one-two-step process. He's saying confessing and believing is one and the same. Now, of course, you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord but not have anything going on in their heart. But when you believe in Jesus Christ in your heart, it can't help but come out of your mouth. It's so simple that people just don't buy it. We tend to overcomplicate things. And it just goes against our natural inclination to DIY our salvation. We know that the gospel saves us and is powerful and it's also freely offered to all. Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is just grounded on two Old Testament quotations. The one who trusts in him will never be dismayed is from Isaiah 28.16. Isaiah 28.16. And then also he quotes from Joel 2.32 where he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that Lord in Joel is the same Lord we see here in Romans. And this word for Lord is Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God. And Paul is clearly saying here that this Lord, this God is Yahweh. He's Jesus Christ. And Paul wants to show us that God's Word has been working the same way throughout history. God's word in the Old Testament spoke a law. It demanded obedience, which was impossible. But it was a demonstration of grace because the law exposed our sin. It exposed our need for a savior and, and ex exposed our desperate need for righteousness. And that law has come to a climax in Jesus Christ, the one who brings the perfect righteousness the law demands. All people need to do is to receive the gift of righteousness by trusting in Jesus alone as Lord and Savior. And this is the good news that God offers to every man from every nation, from every race and tribe and tongue. And it's just, it just blows me away that the gospel is so simple, but it's powerful. It saved people 2,000 years ago, and by God's grace, it saves people today. And it doesn't need to be complicated. And that's what we, Paul goes to, is that we, we have a simple gospel. And it's meant to go out and be shared. Look at verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we see Paul desired to see his people saved. Secondly, he desired to preach a simple gospel. And lastly, Paul desired to share the gospel daily. And through four rhetorical questions, Paul reminds us that the gospel, this simple gospel needs to get out into the world. And Paul is saying, how could people call on Jesus if they had not the chance to believe? And how could they uh, believe if they've never heard? And how could they hear if somebody like you and I doesn't go and talk to them? And how are they to start talking if they are not commissioned to go? The gospel is the most powerful story ever told. And it's the most powerful true story ever told. There's a lot of stories out there. 
you don't believe me, look in the library and look at it. How many stories people have come up with. But the gospel is distinct and that's the most powerful true story ever told. An HCC family cannot remain just here in Houston Chinese Church within these walls. It cannot remain in Hope Church. It cannot remain in any of our churches in Houston. It must go out. We're commissioned by the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself to go and deliver this news. And every day you're running to hundreds and hundreds of people who are coming and needing the, the good news of the gospel. We can't wait for them to come to us. But we need to go to them. And yet, you may meet people on different stages of the journey. If you think about these stages as a clock, there are people who are close to being saved. There are 1159s, as we call them. And they're literally, all they need to do is hear the gospel and just respond. Others are like, you know, at 10 o'clock, which they're leaning toward trusting in Jesus, but they're, you know, they're, just, they're just having doubts. And there are people who are all on the way back to about 2 o'clock, and they need to be moved to consider Christianity. And I want to say that wherever you are, as long as you're faithful to walk and step with the Holy Spirit, you're called to be on mission. And, uh, um, and so, you know, our, uh, our staff has been forming a witness and train group. And um, one of our elders, uh, Peter Swan, has uh, l- born in, in Africa and has just a huge heart uh, for South Sudan. And, and uh, by God's grace, they've been seeing hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ there in South Sudan, and just in this last summer, he returned from a trip that just rocked him powerfully. And this is where he started witness and train groups, in which he just started these groups with, uh, with local pastors. He started with one or two of them, and he just, what he did was he just trained them to go and share the gospel, which is the genuine gospel, which is the, the biblical gospel, and then he trained them to go and witness um, to others. So they were they were called and commissioned to go out and share the gospel right away. And, um, and so he started this group, and within a week or so, and from then following for those entire two months, and even till now, they've been seeing salvations, multiple salvations every day. And that group has multiplied into about 10 groups um, when they left. So they started preach, uh, witnessing and training to their group, um, and then that group went out and sharing the gospel. They saw people getting saved. And those people who were getting saved started their own groups. And then they started preaching the gospel to others. And then they started seeing people come to know the Lord. And then they started their own groups. And so what went from like two or three groups now has gone to probably over 100 groups. And people are coming to know the Lord as, as Lord and Savior. It's been powerful. And we realize that, you know, American church... The American church has been just so content to just make evangelism as an add-on, something optional. That evangelism was Jesus' thing, but it's not our thing. And it should, but it should always be on our minds. And so we're just praying for our hearts to just be broken with the unceasing sorrow for God just to wreck our schedules and to get against this, the, the idolatry of self-dependency. Because if, if the gospel is the greatest news ever told and the greatest true story ever told, then it should just command our schedules. Everything that we are should gravitate and go around this, that, Lord, we're just saying, God, will you just wreck our schedules? Will you just lead us to people who need to know Christ so that the name of Christ would be advanced in our city and also all gospel churches in, in Houston? 
And so then we seek to train new believers right away to share their faith with others. And so we have an app called Voxer, and it's to share stories. And it's literally been blowing up. And um, last week, my elder and I um, had uh, lunch in Chinatown, and we pressed into our server, uh, Danish. And uh, he was interesting from the very beginning because he didn't, um, we were just kind of wondering where he was from. And so he was actually Pakistani and Filipino. And we asked, are you Muslim? And he let us know that, you know, he's, he's, uh, his dad was born Muslim, but his mom had converted over to Christianity, but now he was just religious. He's not religious, but he was seeking. And so we, my elder said, you know, I love seekers. It's the most important question, you know, of whether we're going to spend our eternity. So I'm just so grateful that you're seeking him. Because, I, you know, I just don't respect people who are just whatever and, and think whatever about their eternal, eternal destiny. And so we didn't have much time as he was serving and he was already talking to us. So we just gave him this challenge and we said, ask God. As you're seeking, ask God to reveal his name to you tonight. And see if he speaks. See if the Lord speaks to you. And, of course, I mean, we were just praying that God would just give him a dream that night. And um, as you know, more, uh, more Muslims come through Christ through dreams more than almost any other medium. And, um, and then a few weeks ago, I mean, I was just at Houston Aquarium, completely different. But I was just with my family, and they were visiting, and, and, um, and uh, we were just, we had those unlimited day passes. Um, and so basically, we got to go on the Ferris wheel again and again and again. <laughs> and um, and it, was, it was fun, because um, the lady just started to love us. She just, she just like, you know, we were... You know, I had my kids there. They were super uber excited about the Ferris wheel, <laughs> even though it only really lifts you about 20 feet above the 45. But beautiful views. And, um, and so she was like, man, y- y'all are just easily our favorite, uh, my favorite people of the day. And I, that was Monday because there was, like, nobody there. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were, I was just like, Lord, I think you're calling me to press into her. And so um, I just, I didn't know what to say. So I was like, you know what? Hey, um, I, I love Jesus, <laughs> and um, is, I just feel really a need just to pray for you. Is there anything, any way I can pray for you? And so she was just kind of like, um, she didn't think I was really serious at first. And she, just, she was just like, oh, just pray about life or something. And then I was like, no, really, I'm a, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I, I love Jesus with all my heart. I try to follow him, and um, I really would love to know how I can pray for you. And that's when she really, the defenses just came down. She's like, I love Jesus too, but just this past week, somebody broke into our house and invaded us and, and took everything, and I'm just still rebounding, rebounding off of the fear and the feelings and emotions um, that, uh, that I'm, I'm dealing with, and so I, it, just, it just led me to... Um, and just go ahead and, and pray for her. And, I, you know, I just, all I did was just, I, just, I just prayed for her. And I just let her know that the Father sees her and he notices her. And that she, that she can depend on him. He is his refuge. And, um, and after that, man, she, uh, she just, she didn't, she was off her, her break and she was supposed to leave. But then um, the frog hopper, my kids want to go in the frog hopper, and she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go over there and open up the, the ride for you. And I'll just, <laughs> I was like, she just didn't want to, she just wanted to hang out. Um, and I was just so encouraged by that. But, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to start with a full-blown gospel presentation right away, you know. Maybe God will lead you to fellow believers in which 
God will use you powerfully to speak into them and to press into them. And just to remind them that they are loved and that they are cared for by an almighty father. That God has sent you out of all people, out of this time, to go and encourage them. And so wherever you are, um, our prayer and my prayer is that we would just be faithful. We would just be faithful um, to what God has called us to be and faithful to just pressing in and listening to his voice. But man, this, these past weeks are just rocking me as I'm listening to the Lord and just seeing who God is leading me to and just having so many gospel conversations. I mean, this is rocking me and I'm feeling so much sorrow on the days that I don't get to share the gospel. And God has been just impressing me and re- making me repent of the, of the lack of love I have for people. And now he is just reminding me of how much his heart burns and yearns for these people to know the Lord Jesus Christ every day. Well, Paul closes with a beautiful blessing for those who are on mission. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so the image the lookout is the lookout on battle, who would await anxiously for any signs of the outcome of battle. The lookouts were able to tell from a great distance whether the news was good, whether the messenger was up and running, which probably signified that they had won the victory. But if the messenger is, you know, kind of head down and he's just walking, that really shows that there's probably some bad news coming. And so, as you know, I'm from California, so I'm absolutely amped about uh, two things after the gospel is the Dodgers winning and going to the World Series. Number two, in and out is finally, after a long, long, long exile in Houston, <laughs> is coming. And it's coming to Stafford. <laughs> and, uh, and also Katie, too, as well. And I am so amped. But, you know, that's a long week. That's a long time away. It's coming in 2019. Um, so uh, about a week and a half ago, one of our elders was, uh, he goes and flies planes. Um, and so he was flying up to Austin for, uh, with one of our staff members who was also from L.A. And so I said, hey, man, is there any chance that you can bring some in and out? Please, I mean, animal style, you know, just put it in a veggie wrap, something. Man, just, just give me some in and out. And he looks at his schedule and he's like, oh, you know what? There's an airport about 10 minutes away from your house. And um, why don't you just meet me there uh, at 5 o'clock tomorrow? How's that? And I'm just kind of like, oh, no, I'm totally iffy. I'm like, no, there's no way he's able to, to bring this, um, this in and out. But sure enough, I get texts from them back and forth, and they're, they're shooting me pictures of them, like, just jumping in and diving into this double-double. And I'm just like, oh, that still looks so good. And, and they're like, yeah, you know, it looks like we're going to be able to come. And so meet me at the airport at 5 p.m. And so I'm a, I drive like a crazy man over to Southwest Airport with my two boys, and, and, I, and, and I'm just, I've never felt so much anticipation to go to the airport. Uh, and I, I go and sit there, this small rinky-dinky airport, but, you know, the, the, the radio's going, <laughs> you know, uh, we're landing, or, yeah, we're coming out for takeoff, we're just asking for clearance for a run. And I, I'm just like, I'm so anticipating, like, when is, P, is, is Peter going to come in, and when are they going to uh, come in? And um, I was just so excited. My kids were excited. They were playing with the model planes. They weren't really listening to me at all. Um, and I was just so excited, and it turned out they were delayed because they were disabled aircraft on the runway. And I'm just like, oh, man. Oh, my in and out is coming in so close, and it was a bad storm, too, so they're just circling around. And 
I'm just dying. And um, they said, come on out. You can spot us in the sky. So I walk out. And um, literally, you can walk, literally go out. You can go out there, Southwest Airport. You can literally walk out next to the airport. <laughs> and uh, you can literally come right next to the airport. Like, like the plane was like right as close as, as this brother over here. You know, and, and all I see them is just coming in, and they're just waving at me. They're like, hey, dude, how's it going? And they're waving me, and there's this plane coming in, and my boys, we're just walking alongside the plane, and then we see our elder and our worship leader come out of this plane, and just, they said, this is the highlight of our day. We just were so excited to do this, and they gave me two still hot boxes from in and out And, uh... <laughs> It's just hard to explain the elation. I, I was just so joyful. I was just like, is this really happening? I mean, this has got to be the most expensive in and out I've ever had. And I'm just like, this is unreal. I couldn't get over this. And I was kept on telling my kids, this is so exciting. And, um, and so we got to bring it back to the family. And it was, it was about 40 minutes in. And um, it was just amazing. Amazing. I literally felt like, wow, I've been delivered the greatest food in the history of this planet. In and out, <clears throat> not Whataburger. Um, and, uh, and it just really got me thinking. Uh, if this is the elation that I get from getting in and out burgers, how much more beautiful it is t- to bring the good news of the gospel Our very eternity has been altered by the gospel of Christ. Our life is defined by something that happened 2,000 years ago. How much more should we be fired up to deliver this good news of Jesus? And so I challenge you, Houston Chinese Church, English congregation, I challenge you. Take this promise into heart. How beautiful are those, are you, who bring the good news of Jesus. Maybe you're hungry, but you're just feeling inadequate. <laughs> well, that's us. That's me. Every day. But you have the whole same Holy Spirit that's raised Jesus from the dead. And he's going to give you words to speak. And he calls us to be living in that spirit and walking in the spirit. So listen to his voice. Don't give in to the lies of inadequacy and that the fact that you're not ready or, uh, or that you don't have the right words. God will give you those words because you have the Spirit of God in, inside of you. And maybe you're just feeling excited, but you just don't know where to start or um, you just feel like something's stirring. I mean, CMC South is coming up, and David had already mentioned CMC South is just excellent, excellent place to be equipped. Uh, first of all, with this greater view of God's global glory and for how, what place you have to play in that. Because as Asians, I think, uh, for me at least, a lot of times, a lot of times my, my tendency is just to be in the background. But Lord, the Lord wants you all, wherever you are from, from every background, from every culture, God wants you to be advancing the kingdom of God. So CMC South is great. Or even, and CMC South profoundly ministered to me last uh, couple of years ago. Um, or also Perspectives is also just a, 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 something that rocked me in seminary um, to see how God was moving in the world and wants to move beyond Houston, but also globally to the unreached people groups. 
And so God um, is going to use perspectives in such a powerful way. You all have been so faithful in missions, but I, I believe that the Lord wants you also to be faithful to the gospel call here, right here in Houston, right here, wherever you're driving off the 90 or you're going to the downtown or med center, that the Lord wants you to not just stay where you're at. He wants you to be on mission every day, preaching the gospel, preaching a simple gospel, praying and desiring that people will be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the God who is always on mission. You are the God who, when we were separated from you because of sin, and we've rebelled against your perfect design, and Lord, that has led us into brokenness in which we try to get out of, ourselves out of, but we can't. Lord, you've sent a remedy. And his name is Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all and who has died on the cross for our sins in our place, lived the perfect life to give us the righteousness that we needed, and also rose again from the dead for all those who believe and trust in him. So, Father, I just pray that you would use um, Houston Chinese Church to be able to preach this simple gospel, starting wherever they are, that, Lord, they would be faithful to listening to your voice, faithful to hearing where you are calling and calling them to press into, giving them a sound love for the people that they're ministering to, equipping them with the gospel through CMC South and Perspectives, and, Lord, just unleashing them for the gospel of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would move in power, that you would break any inadequacies or any uh, or joylessness or even tiredness or any excuses that we might have in sharing the gospel, and, Lord, that we would boldly share and that knowing that, God, you've been there first. You are moving before us. And that you're moving, even as we speak, to bring all peoples and tribes and tongues to know Jesus Christ and to submit to him as Lord. So, Father, give us that passion and that vision so that we can see this coming to fruition. And let us be a part of that story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.